troubled soul All the broken pieces that you hold Turn them over Give them up And then watch What Jesus does Oh, heavy heart Oh, heavy Good morning. It's good to see you all here again this morning to be back in in-person worship. I know we look a little thin this morning, but uh, know that we do have two groups away. Uh, our children um, just got back from their camp this past Thursday, and as a safety measure, we've asked them to quarantine for a week. And so uh, a big group of us is not here because of that. And then also be in prayer this week as we have a group of college students and adults at Park Slope Community Church in, in Brooklyn, New York City. Uh, they're doing some evangelism outreach in a local park there. And then they're also doing some construction work on the church there where they're staying in hopes of having other groups go in the future. So in your prayer time this week, we would certainly uh, hope that you would pray for them. Um, so this morning, just a little bit different, uh, we are going to be able to share with you some of the things that our Alaska mission team did uh, a few weeks ago in Alaska. So you'll be seeing a couple more skits, and we'll have some students come and share some testimonies as well. But uh, just very excited for the opportunity to be on mission with these students and adults. Um, my heart is full of joy um, from uh, being on this trip, and I'm sure you will hear some testimonies as to what the Lord did in the lives of these students and, and, and some of the folks that uh, uh, we were able to minister to. And just uh, a, a foreshadowing, uh, we are going to have uh, the pastor of that church that we stayed at in Wasilla, Alaska, Bill Little, and he's going to be here in October, and he's going to be sharing with our whole congregation, so that'll give us something to look forward to. Uh, but there are some people that I am in, in just in debt to uh, and so grateful for um, who went on this trip and not only went but led 
uh, in a way uh, that was God-honoring. And so I want our adults that went on the mission trip to please come up here on the stage just for a quick second. So uh, some knew about this and some didn't, but I want you guys to be able to see uh, and, and know some of the folks that went on this trip. Uh, one, Robbie Jones uh, is on the New York mission trip, and so he's unable to be here uh, this morning, but Jamie Lapish and Kelly Andrews, Lisa Barfield, and Laura Turner, I am indeed uh, just grateful for you all and the way that you led this trip. Could not have happened without you, and I applaud you, and our folks here in this church appreciate all that you did for this trip, so thank you very much. And there's just a framed, a framed picture uh, of, uh, well, one's uh, in the front of Denali, which is the third largest mountain in the entire world. And one is just our, our team picture that we took here on the steps. You have both, and you can choose which one to put in the front of your frame. So, but guys, I love you, and I appreciate everything that you did for our mission team, always. God bless you. Thank you once again. Awesome. couple of things that we want to make you aware of, just welcoming you to our services this morning, those who are watching online as well, we welcome you. Uh, uh, but we do have some announcements that we need to take care of before we get started. First, um, today, before you leave, make sure you go by the, the, the welcome desk out here in the foyer of the sanctuary and pick up your backpack. This is a, a missions opportunity that we have to help some of our local schools and fulfill some of the needs that they might have. And in that backpack is a list of items for you to go and purchase. And then after you purchase those next Sunday, we're going to meet at Sweet Frog at Concord Mills and uh, return those bags and just have a time of fellowship there. So make sure that you get your backpack today and bring it back next Sunday. Um, also, we have extended the deacon nominations for one week because we haven't been in person worship for the past three weeks. And so if you've not gotten your form, you get that on the, on the tables out here in the foyer of the sanctuary, and or you can download it online. And if you wanna submit your form online, you can do that as well. Uh, but next Sunday, these forms are due. So please be prayerfully considering who the Lord would have you nominate to serve as deacon uh, for next year. Um, you can turn those in via your community group folder, or you can take those completed forms by the entrance to the B building there. So uh, please participate in that as well. Our ladies' movie night has been moved to August the 26th, and it's 6.30 in the core, and I think the title of the film is Finding Normal. I'm disappointed that it's not Rocky, but that's okay. Is that the sequel to Finding Nemo? I guess, I'm not sure. So, no, it is Finding Normal, and uh, it's $5, but with that $5, you get a nacho bar, popcorn, candy, door prizes, and it's open to all ladies, sixth grade and up. So you make sure that you purchase your ticket, and the last day to do that is August the 22nd. Um, uh, also on August 22nd, we're having an organ and piano concert entitled Keyboards in Praise at 4 o'clock in this room. 
uh, Ruby McElvain and Rita White will be providing the music. So there's no sign-up necessary for that, so just come. I think it'll be uh, an awesome time of worship together. And then lastly, uh, our Men's Be Strong Conference uh, at Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters is September the 24th through the 26th. The cost for that event is $125, and a $50 deposit is due by August the 29th. So there's only 65 spots available, so guys, go ahead and get that deposit in and reserve your spot. So uh, with that said, that's a lot of announcements. Let's turn our attention to uh, the word of the Lord. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, we're going to be reading a few verses together, uh, as this is the sermon text this morning uh, for Pastor Scott. So Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1, this is what we read. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And as he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. And then beginning in verse 13, he says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Let's pray together. Father, we indeed thank you for your word. It is indeed a treasure to those who know and love you. God, I pray that, that we would receive your word with eagerness and with humility. And Father, not only would we hear the word, but we would be doers of the word. Father, thank you that your word has been preserved through time so that we could have a copy of it. Forgive us, Father, for when we neglect it and fail to read it as we should. I pray, Father, that it would indeed be a treasure in our life, for we know that lies within it the life that you have purposed for us to live. 
and that is a life in fellowship with you. God, we learn about that in your word. I pray, Father, that that would be our burning desire, even this morning. Rekindle in us, Father, a flame for your word, that we could be what you have created us to be. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we thank you that we're uh, here in person, worshiping together as your church here at Pitts. And we pray for those who are not with us this morning, that you would bless them, Father. And uh, as they watch online, I pray that you would bless them uh, as they're watching online. And Father, for our mission team that's at, in New York City, I pray, Father, your richest blessings on them as they serve you. Give them strength and energy, Father, to do what you've called them to do there. And Lord, we pray this morning for those who are hurting. We pray, Father, for those this morning who are in need of healing. And Father, for those who are in need of your comfort and your peace. Father, that you would minister to them as only you can. And that your peace that passes all understanding will guard their hearts and their minds through Christ Jesus. Lord, we pray this morning as we continue to worship together that our thoughts, our focus would be on you and that the name of Jesus would be exalted in all that is done. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? It's so good to see your smiling faces this morning, and I can't wait to hear you sing. So let's sing together. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can save us from our sins. Let's sing that to the Lord this morning. Join me together. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me hold again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. i 
morning, y'all. All right, uh, so we're just going to give some testimonies real quick about our trip, and I guess I'll start. So uh, my name is Brennan Jones, and I was able to be part of our mission trip who went to Wasilla, Alaska. Our purpose going into the mission trip was to minister to people through different means. Through this process, we would hand out cards or personally speak to some of the people to get them connected with Journey Church in Wasilla. Uh, in, park, uh, in parks, we would have backyard Bible clubs, do skits, games, we did puppets, and we'd hand out snow cones uh, as a way to serve, and we'd have uh, kids just to come around and, you know, it's just fun for them to do. Um, all the activities and outreach would give us a way to hang out with those kids and get to know them a little bit better. And another way we were able to minister in the trip was on uh, a service through Wednesday night. Wednesday night was a night that allowed us to address a little bit more than just like the kids in the parks. We could talk to some of the adults and, you know, try to reach them a little bit more than uh, just the little kids. And we were able to see the effects of the skits on a different level when we did that. I feel that through all of our days in the parks, time we had to grow closer and the skills we would perform or do, the skits we would do, I found a specific moment to be a little bit more powerful than others. All week long at the parks, we would begin with puppets, and after the puppets, we would do Bible stories, and we'd uh, do the skits. And then when we finished that, we would break into these groups where we'd uh, do the snow cones. Some of us would play games, like the little uh, water tattoos and uh, blue animals and more of that. The, uh, but when we did that stuff, the, all the kids liked to you know, like go up to the girls a lot more than us guys, because who knows why. Uh, <laughs> uh, that being said, one day when I was attempting to make some uh, balloon swords, there was a little kid named Tristan, and he came up to me. He started to tell me how he loved the draw and how much fun he was having with us. And coming from a six-year-old, that was just like a blessing to hear and uh, kind of surprised me a little bit. Uh, and that moment specifically, that reminded me of Proverbs 3, 5. Uh, Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. I feel like that verse is a good example of our attitude going into that week and how we had to trust God throughout the week. Hi, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Abigail. Um, and as Brennan said, we were blessed enough to be able to go to Wasilla, Alaska and serve the Lord there. And I'm just going to be talking a little bit deeper on the service that we were able to lead. So as mentioned, we were doing park ministry and teaching the gospel to little kids. But while we were also in the parks, we were inviting those kids and their parents and families to come to the service that we would be leading that Wednesday night at Journey Church, which is the church that we were staying at and serving with and working with. So Wednesday night rolls around. And we made dinner for the people who were coming. We set up the sanctuary. We had practiced. We were ready. People started trickling in. You know, we were getting really excited um, for the service to start. And then when the service did start, there were only about eight members who came. And no one from the park we had invited showed up. And I thought to myself, like, how are we supposed to reach people if only eight people come? What is this going to do? But the service started, we were able to do a few puppet songs, a few of us got to give our testimonies, and we were able to do every skit we had practiced and worked on. We got to the sign language song, Worthy, that we do, which you guys are gonna be seeing soon. And in this song we were signing, we were about three-fourths of the way through, and out of the corner of my eye, I see this little girl sitting on the front row with her mom, 
And she started copying the signs we were doing and doing it with us. And it hit me, this isn't about us. This isn't about how many people show up. This is about God. And this is why we came to lead this service. It doesn't matter if one person showed up or if 100 people showed up. Either way, we're serving the Lord and his glory is being displayed. And a few of us were able to sit down with this little girl later on in the night and just teach her what the song meant and what the signs were that she was doing and how it brought glory to God. And it really just showed that even though we may not be able to see it in the moment, God's glory and his grace and mercy and love is going to be shown because he is Lord and he is in control. Hello. My name is Mary Catherine, and while we were in Alaska, we experienced God's grace in many different ways, but one, a big way was the opportunity to meet and fellowship with a group from California. And so it was the first morning that we went to parks, and we arrived, and we saw like all these tents and kids running around, and we realized that it was another group, and they were doing vacation Bible school. And at first we were really confused and frustrated and we kind of just were like, wow, they're stealing our thunder. Like we're supposed to be here. We're the ones who are supposed to, you know, share God's message. But um, that week we had also done a devotional about how God provides interruptions and he does this to show that his plan is better and to ultimately bring him glory. And so after we, you know, got off our pedestal, um, we realized that this was an interruption from God and it was going to be used to bring him glory. So um, we went and set up all our stuff and we started to do our puppet songs. And this was around the same time that their stuff was ending. So they brought their kids over and started watching and they were cheering for us and just really engaged. And so when we were done with our skits, we moved into a, like a craft time and we got to talk to them. And we learned that they were a Christian group from a high school in California. And um, we, you know, we got talking to them and stuff. And then every day we would come back and we would go to their VBS and um, participate in their songs and games with the kids, and then we would all go back to ours, and they would watch our puppet shows and skits and just cheer for us, which was really encouraging, and it was very uplifting to see another group of kids our age that were working towards the same goal, um, which was really cool, and it also helped us to reach more children because they not only were getting the message from us, but they were also getting it from the other group, and that led to more children accepting Christ that week. And um, we even got some contact information from some of them and still continue to talk, which is really cool. And through this experience, we learned that God has a plan and it may be different from our own, but we must trust in his because his is much better. Thank you. Do you know that all 
Thank you, students. You know, we've got an amazing group of young people here. And uh, Kevin Knight and I had spoken earlier in the week about messages and passages of Scripture. And uh, actually, we were looking at two different passages and chose this one, a passage that would challenge our young people to continue to live a life of faith and fruitfulness all of their all of their years, but not only them, but also everybody to live uh, the same way. And so I'm going to ask you to keep your Bibles open to Mark chapter 4 this morning. We're going to talk about the subject matter, listening to God, listening to God. But before we get into the message, I do want to address several things. I know with the recent uptick in COVID cases, most of our people perhaps are still watching uh, online, and we certainly understand that. And so we do want to welcome those who are online with us this morning and uh, pray for their uh, soon return. And uh, I know that our hearts are also very uh, heavy today. Uh, we've lost one of God's choice servants in Bart Deese, and actually the Deese family is here up in the balcony to my left and uh, what a true example and man of God uh, Bart was and we know this morning he's home with Jesus amen and uh, continue to pray for Michelle and Michaela and Noah and other family members the visitation will be in here tomorrow night from 6 30 to 8 30. Uh, we realize it may go a little beyond that and they've asked me to uh, cut it off about 9 30 if it were to continue uh, to go late but tomorrow night 6 30 to 8 30 and then also in here on Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. will be a celebration home homegoing service not just a funeral service but a celebration of a Christian man's home going and so that'll be in here followed by the burial in our church cemetery um, let me also mention a few others we want to be much in prayer for uh, Ed and Sandra Polly down to my right their grandson uh, had very extensive surgery a couple of days ago and has come through that well pray for his recovery a very delicate uh, surgery also, one of our beloved members, Ned Finney, uh, the, the big husky guy with the Duck Dynasty type beard sits down here usually on Sunday mornings. He was in a very serious automobile accident out of state, uh, broke his neck, uh, broke a foot, broke five ribs, uh, broke his shoulder, also a collapsed lung. Uh, he needs to be transferred to a special brain trauma unit in Dallas, Texas. But before they could transfer him to hospital in Mississippi last night, felt like they did need to, his neck is not healing, and if they were to move him, uh, it could possibly be life-threatening. And so he went through a very delicate surgery last night. We pray for Ned's recovery. At times, there, there has been a neurologist that has not given very encouraging reports to the family. 
but uh, his case is sort of up and down. So continue to pray for him. And uh, then also the Pecks, as they are with Marianne's mother right now uh, in the ER, she had a fall during the night, so we want to pray for Lib. So let's remember all these prayer needs in our church. I hesitate to start naming names. We always invariably forget somebody, and we don't intend to do that. I hope you understand. But these are some of the more pressing cases on us right now. Let's pray together. Father, we... Uh, we do come this morning with uh, questions and a lack of understanding about how some things happen the way that they do. And how at times it seems that you call some of your choices servants home. And Lord, that's hard for us to accept. But Lord, we know that you're the sovereign and all-wise God. And good comes out of this. We don't know what will come out of this with the Deese family, but we pray that you would minister to them as only your Holy Spirit can. Lord, fill them with hope. Fill them with your wisdom. And shepherd them through this and give them a strength beyond anything they possess on their own. We pray that the service would be a testimony to many as even unbelievers have been commenting on the impact of Bart's life and faith and how many people he's touched. Lord, for Ned, uh, his life is in your hands You've got a plan with him. You've numbered his days. David says in Psalm 139, Before we live even our first day, you have all of our days numbered. Lord, you know your plan with Ned. And we know that you can touch him and bring him through this. Continue to be with his doctors. Give them guidance in his care. And in the transport and the facility that is soon to receive him, that you would be with that team. And uh, Lord, minister to his needs. For the grandson of the Paulies, what a time of rejoicing to find out that the large tumor in his chest cavity and torso was benign. But the way it was entangled around the spine, a very delicate surgery, a very lengthy surgery. And God, we praise you that that was successful with this young man. And we pray day by day you would return strength to his body and that he would be able to go on as a child and enjoy doing the things that children enjoy doing. Uh, for the pecs in the ER, even now, as Lib is in scans and tests, God, we pray that you would just surround this family likewise with your presence. And uh, we pray for wisdom on the part of the doctors that they would treat Lib in the most effective and efficient way possible. Lord, thank you for our youth who have shared this morning for their lives, the impact that they have on the life of this church, the, the testimony that they constantly share and what an inspiration they are to so many people. As many of them leave to go out of this church on um, to college and work, Lord, remind them 
that whatever they're doing in life and wherever they're going, the number one thing is to be on mission with you, to continue in the faith, to listen to you as this parable addresses, to live a life of continual fruit-bearing that demonstrates the authenticity of faith. Lord, use this message time today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We know that on one occasion, Simon Peter confessed, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. At the same time, Judas Iscariot denied the Lord. Now folks, these were two disciples who had spent the same amount of time, presumably, with Jesus. During his three-year public ministry, one went on to become a rock, the other went on to betray Jesus and sell him over to the authorities who would crucify him. How do you account for this? Two men that have heard and experienced the same thing in life. Fast forward to today. You have young people that go out from the church and 10 years later they are, let's take two, two examples, they're both married with children. And one family is faithfully serving the Lord. The other family has never been to church in their married life. They never take their kids. They never read the Bible. Faith simply is no longer a part of their lives. How do we explain these paradoxes? Well, in this parable, Jesus helps to answer these questions, at least from the human standpoint, the human responsibility side. We see in chapter 4 that Jesus has been enjoying a great deal of popularity. Uh, in verse 1, we're told that a great crowd was pressing in on him. There are so many people that Jesus has to get in a boat and push off from the shoreline to create a little bit of space between him and the crowd. And he tells this parable. It's the first of his parables. And it's very unique that he begins his parables by telling one that has to do with listening to God. And he also gives the interpretation of it which I think highlights its importance even the more. Now, granted, there are two elements to this parable involving both promise and warning. It's hard to decide which element is more important, although in today's research of the parables, the element of warning would be primary. Years ago, it was emphasized the great encouragement side of it, the great promise side of it. Uh, Jesus' disciples have witnessed his debates with the religious leaders. This has to do with the promise side of it. They've witnessed him having all these debates with the religious leaders. They're soon to hear about John the Baptist being put in prison. And then on the heels of that, they're going to hear about John being beheaded. And so naturally the disciples could be thinking, is it really worth it to follow Jesus? 
I mean, it seems like everybody's going to reject him. What about us then? If even the Lord himself has a problem keeping a crowd, keeping listeners and, and keeping people engaged, what in the world chance as disciples do we have? And so there's great encouragement here to the sower, whoever that sower may be. Originally, it would have been Jesus, of course, and then his disciples. You can fast forward again down to the day. A, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a student sharing their faith with other students at school. Whoever the sower may be, there will be those who will listen. The majority may not, but keep sowing the seed. Some will listen. Some will be saved. Some lives will be changed. And so that was an angle that used to be primary with this parable. But again, it seems today the warning element has taken over as the majority view. And the warning element concentrates, of course, on the different types of soils. And, and there's a warning to the crowd. What kind of soil am I? Am I good soil? How will I know? Am I listening to the point that my faith continues and I bear fruit as a lifestyle? Folks, how many are really embracing the claims of Christ? How many? Are we the type of soil that is receptive to the seed, which is the Word of God? Am I really listening to God? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to take what I hear and transform my life? You see, James 1 tells us if we're hearers only and not doers of the Word, we're deceiving ourselves. We know there's nothing wrong with the seed itself. The seed is the Word of God. Hebrews 4 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There's power in the gospel. There's power in the seed. Amen? Likewise, there's nothing wrong with the Spirit because the Spirit's the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit. And so the conclusion is, if I'm hearing the Word of God and the Spirit of God is not using the Word of God to bring about transformation and growth in me, then I need to evaluate my life. I need to look at my own life and evaluate what type of soil am I. Am I bad soil? Folks, when the Word of God is preached or shared, almost always there'll be four different kinds of dirt present, representing people. And I would assume in every church across the land today, every church family even has all four of these kind of soils represented. 
And Jesus' point is not that you can pick and choose what level you want to be at and belong to Him as if there is an okay level and then there's a pretty good level and then there's a better level. No, Jesus isn't talking about some cafeteria-style pick and choose. His point here is there is only one legitimate response to the gospel. Only one. And am I that kind of soil? And that's what we see this morning. I hope you'll take some notes. First of all, some people ignore the scripture. They procrastinate doing anything with it. Or they just even outright reject it. That's the first soil. He told about that in verse 4. And then he gave the interpretation of it in verse 15. And what Jesus does is begin telling a story that all of them could relate to. You see, they scattered seed differently than we do. They scattered seed in ways that we might be tempted today to think it's a little bit uh, wasteful. But they would have a bag over their shoulder, some type of leather pouch or canvas uh, sack filled with seed. And, and they would walk about indiscriminately sowing the seed in their fields and then after that, they would take their oxen or their mule with the plow and they would till the seed under. That's the way they did things back then. Just indiscriminately walking about and in their fields, throughout their fields, scattering the seed. And of course, between all the plots of land and the fields, there would be these walking paths that people and animals would travel on. Everybody in Jesus' audience would have known exactly what he's talking about. In fact, some people believe that he's up there by the Sea of Galilee and he's teaching his disciples this. He might be looking at a farmer behind the crowd on the green slopes that is doing this very thing as he talks about this. And in verse 15, he gives the application. Some people, when they hear the gospel, are like the hard path. The seed falls on it, but it's not going to penetrate. It's a hard path. It's like concrete. It's not that this is a person who doesn't hear. They do hear. It just doesn't do any good. You ever met anybody like this? I bet you have. I know I have. Now the person given a hardened response to the gospel may be angry and antagonistic towards the gospel or they might just be complacent and apathetic. Jesus points out what's going on here in verse 15 when a person is complacent about listening to God Satan comes right along and he cooperates with you 100%. He says, I'll take that seed that was sown. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. 
Now, folks, this ought to serve as a warning to us. When we hear the Word of God, whether it's in a Bible study or a church service or even in our private devotions, we need to make it our prayer. God, help me to hear this. Let it sink down in my heart and find good soil and take root and bear fruit. Help me to receive it for what it is. It is your Word. Because folks, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, we need to understand we are engaged in spiritual warfare. And don't kid yourself that Satan and his forces do not care about how you hear the word of God or not. He does care. And he tries to do everything possible to dampen any type of hearing of the Word of God that you might have in your life. I think of some folks in the New Testament who display this sort of thing. You know, here is Herod. Herod loved to hear John the Baptist preach, I guess for some type of entertainment element to it. He wasn't going to do anything John said. He just enjoyed hearing John preach. It was kind of fascinating to him. But he never did anything with it. I think of Agrippa, who said to Paul on one occasion, Almost thou persuadest me to be a believer. But again, there's no record at all that Agrippa ever came to faith in Christ. Those would be some examples right there. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be that this soil is somebody who hates Christians and hates the Word of God and gives that type of antagonistic response. It could be somebody saying, you know, hey, I like your church. I enjoy the Sunday school classes. I enjoy the sermons. I'm just not ready to really think about spiritual things yet in my life. And they walk out of here week in and week out and do nothing with it whatsoever. Think of the hard path. Let's maybe take a little creative license here. Here's the pathways of life. Here's a young person who gets busy about life. Not just a young person, but maybe a young couple or a middle-aged couple. They're busy with life. There's a lot going on in the pathways of their lives. Mom and dad are building their careers. They're raising kids. They'll grab a few days here or there to take a vacation, to do something else. Anything wrong with that? No. There's just no time for spiritual things. The word that was sown in their hearts years and years ago has no influence now on their lives and decision making whatsoever. Young people, don't be this type of soil. Don't follow this example. You know, they may even think, I, I've, got my, I've got my salvation life insurance card in my wallet. When I was nine years old, I walked a mile of a church. I made a profession of faith. Hey, I'm good to go. Never mind, they've lived the remainder of their lives as though Christ means absolutely nothing to them whatsoever and there's no fruit. 
But hey, I got my salvation life insurance card right here in my wallet. You want to see it on the day of judgment? I'm going to pull this out. God, here it is. God will not be used that way. This group may be very surprised to learn that the scripture would very much support the idea that they were never truly converted to begin with. The greatest assurance perhaps that the New Testament gives is that you and I continue in the faith. We continue to grow. We, we continue to bear fruit. And remember what Jesus said on one occasion. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Is he talking about a works salvation there? No, he's just saying a genuine salvation will last. It will persevere. It will bear fruit. It will endure. A second thing, some people receive the word only out of temporary emotion. Verses 5 and 6 and then 16 and 17. Now, you need to understand something about the rocky ground back then. It wasn't like in your garden, you're plowing up and, oh, there's a rock you toss aside here, rock you toss aside there. In Israel, there might be a huge shelf as big as this entire building or bigger underneath a section of the ground, limestone or sandstone right under about that much soil. And here's a farmer, the way they would sow, they would sow the seed, plow it under. The rainy season would come. Then the sun comes out. That soil warms up quickly. That, that seed germinates, sprouts. Farmer looking out across his field says, man, that section over there those, that, those plants and that crop there, that's going to be the best of the whole crop. And he's excited about it. A week or two later, with the blazing hot sun, he looks over there and he's like, what's going on? All that, that whole section over there is withering and dying. What Jesus is describing here, somebody is very shallow in their faith. Maybe based on emotion only. They hear the gospel. They get all excited about it. Thank God for excitement. Nothing wrong with excitement and emotion. We need a little bit more of that. But sadly, that's about all they have. Or it's the person who went to summer camp. Had a great week. On the last night of camp, they went forward and had some type of experience even went on a mission trip and folks we certainly know that genuine conversions can absolutely come out of those things that's why we do them but I'm talking about the one that nothing ever really comes out of at the last. They get back home, get preoccupied, even worse, look what happens. Verse 17, Jesus says, tribulation or hardship because of the word. Persecution because of the word. They go to school in the fall. Their friends might make fun of their so-called Christian faith. They lose some friends maybe. They don't get invited to events anymore. They decide they're not ready to suffer persecution for the sake of following Christ. 
You know, it's more important to be liked. I want to be accepted. I want things to be like they used to be. There's no root. They dry up and wither. Or they face trials. They don't want to handle tough times in a Christian way at all. And so they might revert back to some of their old ways of dealing with things. You see, folks, the person who listens to God, Jesus said, we've got to be willing and ready to count the cost. Jesus said, nobody can follow me unless they deny themselves, pick up their cross, which was an instrument of death, and follow me. In Luke's gospel, Jesus talks about all sorts of people. Who have their laundry list of excuses. Jesus, this is why I really can't follow you right now. Maybe there'll be a better time sometime later. What are we doing with what we hear? Every day. What am I doing to build on the solid foundation? Am I abiding in Christ? Am I growing? Am I forgiving? Am I laying up my treasure in heaven? Am I serving in my local church? Am I growing as an ambassador for Christ? And Am I being a witness of Him? Is there any real practical growth and desires of growth taking place in my Christian life? Or do I just go to church every now and then as a sort of cultural thing, check it off the list, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Young people, don't be the shallow soil type person either. Jesus is pointing out here, it is not, hear me, it is not a legitimate response to the gospel. Thirdly, some people give the initial impression they receive the word. But their life is so divided and crowded, nothing tangible ever really changes. Verse 7 and then the interpretation in verses 18 and 19. This may be the biggest temptation of all for people in, in the modern world today. Two crops competing for the same soil. The American dilemma. Spiritual things and worldly things trying to occupy the same space. And guess which one usually ends up winning out. Now folks, I want you to follow the order here. Jesus said these are the ones who hear. You see, so oftentimes we conclude that the man who will not listen to God is the one who wouldn't even hear. Now, again, that's not the case. These here, but something happens. Jesus says the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things choke the word. The cares of this world. Let's think about that one. Perfectly innocent things in and of themselves. But Jesus' point here is that some people are dictated in life. By the cares of this life. They work on their list of things to do in life. Thinking one of these days I know I need God. One of these days I know I need to follow Christ. One of these days. But they just never do. Because there's always something else to give attention to. 
And there's all kinds of expectations people have of me and you also. There's always a new demand, even if it's demands you put on yourself. We might even think one of these days I'll, I'll give attention to some of the things the Bible talks to me about. But we just keep responding to one thing after another, one pressure after another. And before we know it, we feel like some kind of hamster running on a wheel. We're busy, busy, busy doing this, doing that. And then life is over. And I've not followed Christ one bit. My life has not counted for him what there's no fruit for my life to show. Nothing. We didn't mean for the tyranny of the world to dominate and dictate our lives, but it happened. And life was over sooner than we thought. Then the deceitfulness of riches. Riches promise life, but they can't deliver. Let me get my career going. Let me get my kids raised. Let me take care of this. Let me do that. Let me do this. There are things I want out of life first. I'll think about all that later. I want to reach a certain standard of living. I want to be comfortable in life. If I want something, I want to be able to get it. Jesus says, it's deception. It's the idea that says life is about what you can gather or possess. It's about the world. No wonder John says in 1 John 2.15, Love not the world nor the things of the world. If you love the world and the things of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Remember young people and everybody, it's deception. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole entire world and lose his very own soul? You know who I think of in the scripture? I think of the rich young ruler who would not follow Jesus because of all the stuff that he had. Or rather, I should say the stuff that had him. I wonder if I could be talking about this morning some older adults. You know God wanted to do something different in your life. But you, you thought, first of all, you know, that'll take place one day. First of all, I need to go out and do all this. Then the desires for other things. Maybe a hobby. Nothing wrong with that. But it captures you. You put it ahead. It, is your, it becomes your God. All of these cares, all of these worries, all of these desires, all of these deceptions have a message in them. They say life consists of what you can see, feel, and touch. But the danger is living for all this stuff in the kingdom of the world can keep us from the kingdom of God. Folks, let's admit what a temptation all this is. It's kind of like the contemporary Christian song that came out quite a number of years ago. I think of the lyrics, it's a slow fade. You remember that song? It's a slow fade. It just gradually kind of happens. You see, folks, you and I were made for fellowship with God. Life is more than flesh and blood. You have a spirit, and that spirit is going to live somewhere forever. 
The priority in life is knowing God and, and serving Him and bearing fruit for Him and making sure that nothing whatsoever chokes that out. If anything's got to go in life, it's not that. That's got to be kept first. Remember Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. Again, this one right here is probably our biggest challenge. The desires for other things. Actress Lori Laughlin was sentenced to two months in federal prison for her role in the college admission scandal. She'll serve two years of supervised release during which she's got to perform 100 hours of community service and pay a fine of $150,000. Her husband and co-defendant received five months in prison, a $250,000 fine, and 250 hours of community service. And during the hearings, U.S. District Judge Nathaniel Gorton addressed both defendants. He said, and I quote, Here you are, an admired, successful, professional actress with a long-lasting marriage, two apparently healthy, resilient children, more money than you could possibly ever need, a beautiful home in southern sunny California, a fairy tale of a life. But yet you stand before me today as convicted felons and for what he went on to ask for the inexplicable desire to grasp after even more somebody once said you take a pig and a boy and you give them both everything their hearts could ever desire and what do you end up with you end up with a very good pig and a very bad boy. C.S. <laughs> Lewis in Screwtape Letters has Screwtape the senior devil instructing and mentoring his student Wormwood. He talks about how he defeated a man who was sitting one day reflecting on spiritual and eternal things. Screwtape said he knew he had to interrupt what the man was doing. Here was a man who had gotten alone with God, sitting alone with God, and, and started thinking about his eternity and his soul and spiritual things. And Screwtape said, I knew I, I had to get him off that subject immediately or he would be lost to God eternally he said so I made him acutely aware of how hungry he was it was lunchtime, and I got him to get up from his quiet space and get out on the street to hustle and bustle over everything the smells of everything and it worked I got his mind off of what he was dwelling on and he never has come back to it Unhealthy desires for wrong things. That's what Jesus is speaking of here. Now let's ask, what do all these soils have in common? Nothing ever becomes of them. No fruit. No fruit shows what? No conversion. Remember what Jesus said in John 15 about that? Bear fruit and so what? Prove yourselves. To be mine. 
Again, these three soils represent false responses to the gospel. Don't think for a moment that they represent true but less than ideal responses. That's not the point of this parable at all. All three of these first soils are illegitimate responses to the gospel. But let's move on. Fourth. Some make a proper response to the word and their lives are changed forever. Verses 8 and 20. Jesus says this one hears and accepts. In other words, they really hear. They really hear. They count the cost. And it's a pattern. He's talking about here. Hear, accept, obey, grow. Hear, accept, obey, grow. God reveals more truth to them. Remember how Jesus said on one occasion, the one who hears doesn't respond. Even what he has will be taken away. The one who has more will be given. They, they hear, they accept, they obey, they grow. The pattern is here. And the result is they bear fruit. Galatians 5.22 Love, joy, peace, that ninefold fruit of the Spirit. Also the outer fruit of the Spirit impacting others. But something very important here. Notice they bear fruit at different levels. Jesus knows your abilities. He knows my abilities. Some bear more fruit than others. But they all bear fruit. In other words, Jesus is saying bearing fruit is the indicator of whether you're really listening to him and following him or not. And so notice the invitation he closes with in verse 9. It's like he's saying, don't you get it? Don't you get it? Don't you understand that every time people are confronted with the word of God, there are these four possible responses going on? Every time. And Jesus is saying, whatever gets in the way, you've got to overcome all that because there's only one proper response to the gospel. It's not multiple choice. It's not a cafeteria line. There is one acceptable, authentic, genuine response. Are you listening? Am I listening? What type of dirt are you? Are you hearing the word of God and is it dropping on a heart that is like fertile soil? That it grows up and it produces a crop? Is your life being transformed? Are you continuing in the things of God? Are you bearing fruit? Are you wrapped up in the things of God? Or is your life consistently without any type of fruit whatsoever and it's life just full of weeds? Is your life testifying of the authenticity of genuine faith or is it testifying to an illegitimate response to the gospel? Which is it? Only you in stillness before God can let God address this issue in your own heart. Would you stand please?
they play softly
after this final presentation from our student ministry, immediately at the conclusion of this, you'll be dismissed. Would you be seated, please? Ryan. 